0: What did I just sing? We have been talking about that for the last month, and I'm glad we sang that song uh, today. I'm glad that Lauren decided to start singing here, and I'm thankful, Mom and Dad, that you had her 27 years ago, 26, that was my next guest, today. Happy birthday, Lauren. Yes. Um... This has been one of my favorite sermon series I've ever preached. I gotta admit it. It's uh, you guys have received it really well, but it's been a lot of fun just digging into it and getting behind, uh, uh, getting into some of the stories behind the songs and some of the meanings uh, that these uh, these songs have. And uh, I, I'll be honest, a lot of times one of the things that I hear about contemporary worship music is there's there's not much depth to some of the songs and there's not much meat in the songs Uh, and that might be the case on the surface until you start to dive into it and as I've been diving into some of these songs they are a whole lot deeper uh, than what I think we think that they are and these songs that we've chosen uh, have been really really good for us to to uh, learn about and uh, I've learned a lot in my preparation during this series and that's always a, a good thing now last week Uh, I was informed by a few of you that I preached a little longer than usual. In fact, just this morning I got up and went to the breakfast table and Stacy noticed a cut on my cheek and she asked what what happened and I said, well, I was just thinking about my sermon this morning and I was concentrating on my sermon and I guess I wasn't paying attention and I cut my face and she said, well, maybe you should concentrate on your shaving and cut your sermons. that's not true <laughs> we don't eat breakfast uh, that's uh, uh. anyway let's get into the message of this song there's honey in the rock. There's water in the stone manna on the ground no matter where I go I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need you've got there's honey in the rock I don't know why I didn't write that song that is that is wonderful those, those are some good lyrics there and they're straight they're straight from, from scripture. I think most people uh, when we read this we, we have this um, this mindset of maybe we don't know where that comes from, where, where honey in the rock comes from. We know the story of manna in the wilderness. In fact we talked about that last week how God provided bread from heaven. A lot of us know that story and some might even know the story of how uh, the Israelites got water from the rock a couple of times actually and then there's one st- situation where Moses in anger struck the rock and water came out of that, and we kind of know that. But this reference to honey in the rock is probably not known quite as well as the other two. In fact, a lot of us might not have even known it was in the Bible until we heard the song. And so I want to dig into that today, and where it comes from is from Psalm chapter 81. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 81. Right smack in the middle of your Bible. Or you can can follow along on the screen if you don't have your Bibles with you. Or pull your phone out and read it from uh, an app on the phone. But here's what it says, beginning in verse 1, Psalm 81. Sing praises to God, our strength. Sing to the God of Jacob. Sing, beat the tambourine. Play the sweet lyre in the heart. Blow the ram's horn at new moon and again at full moon to call a festival. For this is required by the decrees of Israel. It is a regulation of the God of Jacob. He made it a law for Israel when he attacked Egypt to set us free. I heard an unknown voice say, Now I will take the load from your shoulders. I will free your hands from their heavy tasks. You cried to me in trouble and I saved you. I answered out of the thundercloud and tested your faith when there was no water at... Meribah, listen to me, O my people. Will I give you stern warnings? O Israel, if you would only listen to me. You must never have a foreign god. You must not bow down before a false god. For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things. But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around. So I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me, walking in my paths. How quickly I would then subdue their enemies. How soon my hands would be upon their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him. They would be doomed forever. But I would feed you with the finest wheat. I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. So this psalm this this whole 81st chapter this is a song that was written basically to remember the feast of the tabernacles all right this is what this whole uh, passage of scripture about this whole chapter is about the feast of tabernacles this was a feast that God instructed the Israelites to have so that they could remember what it was like one, when they were wandering in the wilderness, when they were living in tents and where God asked them to set up their tabernacle that we talked about last week. And, and so God says, I don't want you to forget that period of time in your life. This is what this whole psalm is about. And, and these events that happened, these miraculous things that happened, where, where God led the Israelites uh, during the, the nighttime with a fire by night so that they would know where they were going and a cloud by day, these miraculous things and God would provide that honey or that water from the rock for them. It was a time for them to look back and say, God, we remember what you did for us. And so God wanted the Israelites to look back and remember that wilderness period in their lives where God was there for them and providing for them even in that difficult time. Now, when we read the Bible, we see very... Very uh, often, references to wilderness it 's a, it's a common thing it 's an important thing in the Bible. And not only did the Israelites experience the wilderness in the Bible, God actually asked them he decreed them actually he told he didn 't really ask them he told them, "This is what I want you." To do and this is why we have this psalm. And, and it's my understanding that part of the Feast of Tabernacles, they would have different rituals where they would light lights to remember the fire, and they would have these water ceremonies where they would remember God um, providing water from the rock for them. And God said, I want you to remember this. Okay, and so God is basically commanding the Israelites to remember the wilderness, you need to go back and look. At the wilderness again, so you don't forget how I've always been there for you. And then we get to the New Testament, right? We get into the New Testament, and what's some of the very first words we hear out of the New Testament? The very first voice that we hear is a voice crying where? Where? In the wilderness, right? John the Baptist is calling people back into the wilderness and he's saying, you need to get baptized and you need to meet God in a new way. And the first thing that we see happening is Jesus being baptized. He's led into the wilderness. He's tempted by the devil. And in the, the book of Hebrews, as we read through the book of Hebrews, and we see in the third and the fourth chapters, it says, God calls all of us to consider ourselves still in the wilderness, In other words, God asks us to consider that we, like the Israelites, this is what he's saying, he's saying, I have called you out of slavery, and I have prepared a promised land for you, but in the meantime, you have to go through this wilderness called life. Right? And I think it's fair to say that we as Christians ought to view our entire existence in that way. How we were once slaves slaves to sin, just like the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians, right? And they were bound. We are bound by our sin. God set them free. He has set us free. He told the Israelites, I'm going to give you a promised land. He tells us, you're going to have a promised land. You're going to go to heaven. And so we need to view how we live our lives in this way. And I think it's fair to say that we as Christians, we've been called out of a life of sin, And we look forward to that day when we get to heaven, but yet we still have life, and life stinks sometimes, amen? Sometimes it's wonderful, sometimes it's incredible. But sometimes it flat out stinks. Sometimes it's rough. And that's a reminder that life can be a wilderness. That's the first thing. If you're taking notes, life can be a wilderness. And, and I don't know if you're like me. When I think of wilderness, when I first... Read about the wildernesses in the Bible. When I think wilderness, I think more like forest, right? I think trees. I think go over to Brown County State Park and that's kind of like a wilderness, right? But the biblical reference to wilderness is more like a desert. And I think that's very crucial for us to understand. Because here's the truth about the desert. The desert cannot support human life. You don't see people just living out in the desert because they can't. They can't support human life. You can't grow enough food in the desert. You can't catch enough food in in the desert. And as the children of Israel were moving through the wilderness, through the desert, they didn't die because God miraculously provided for them with manna from heaven, with water, from the rock, with the cloud by day, the fire by night, and it was only through the miracles of God that the children of Israel were able to survive. It was only by the miracles of God that they were able to get where they needed to go. And right now, if we think about it, this is where we're at too. Again, we've been delivered from the slavery of sin. We're on our way to the promised land, but we've got this wilderness. We've got this desert that we're living in that is less than desirable on a lot of different days. And you think, well, why does the Bible teach this, right? Why should we understand it this way? It's because I think, um, that, I, I think this is the reason. Just like the desert cannot support human life, the world can never meet your deepest needs. Right? It can never be as fulfilling as it needs to be. Just like the desert can't give you what you need, this world, this desert cannot give you what you need. And we talked about this. In fact, this has been kind of a recurring theme when we picked out these songs to preach on months ago. We had no idea that these themes were this same theme was going to keep coming back up. But this series, it it seems like kind of points at Graves into the Gardens, the Book of Ecclesiastes. There's nothing in this life that will ever satisfy. There's nothing that you can have that's ever gonna meet that deepest need. Come thou fount of every blessing. God is the giver of every good thing. Nothing else can meet that need for you like Jesus can. And it's important for us to know this because most people, when things go wrong, when they're going through this desert experience when they're going through a very difficult time let's say their health goes or a relationship goes or your job goes or money goes something goes right something you lose something and it's a very difficult time and you find yourself in the wilderness what's one of the first things that we do when we find ourselves in the wilderness God why did you let this happen to me And for some reason, we feel like it's God's job to make sure that he arranges everything in order to keep us happy. God, just nudge this into place. God, give me this. God, do that. And if you'll just do all of these things and keep me happy, then I'm going to worship you and I'm going to give my life to you. But that's not what God is asking of us. Listen, if God gave you everything that you wanted in this life, right, you, you think about everything that you've ever asked God for. And what we normally do when we pray is what? We're asking God for a list of stuff, right? How, I, I mean, I don't know if your prayer life is anything like mine is at times where it's like, God, I want this, God, give me this, so on and so forth. And very... Little of it is filled with praise for what he's already done. Most of it is my laundry list of things that I want God to do for me. If God gave me everything that I wanted, it's still not going to satisfy. This world would still be a wilderness because of the sin that's so prevalent. Now, there are going to be some temporary things that happen in this life that bring us joy, that make us happy. We can have some temporary enjoyment in this life, and there's nothing wrong with that. But these things of life, even if God gave you everything you wanted, they will never completely satisfy because this life is a wilderness, right? And the second thing is this. Even though life is a wilderness, even though it's a desert, even though it's still going to disappoint you, you need to understand that there is a rock in the wilderness. At the, at the end of this passage of Scripture, it says, If only you had done this and this and this and this, I would have satisfied you from what? From the rock. Up in verse 7, it, 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 it lists a couple of instances where God is reminding the Israelites how he miraculously rescued them from difficult times, from dying and thirst, providing water out of a rock. This is why toward the end of this journey, Moses is writing, and he pens what a lot of scholars call the, the Song of Moses. And he says this in verse 3 and 4, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. He is the rock. This is the first time in Scripture where anyone refers to God as the rock. He's the rock in the wilderness. He's a faithful God. Even though life is a desert, spiritually speaking, there is this rock in the wilderness. You say, okay, great, it's a rock, big deal. What's that mean? This is what it means. The wilderness is often the place where you meet God. If you could just start to understand that in the wilderness times of life, in those difficult, in those dry, thirsty times of your life, if you would just realize and and learn not to get upset with God, but then understand that this is an opportunity to draw close to God and meet Him, instead of saying, God, why is this happening to me? Or just grinning and bearing it until you get over it. View this as an opportunity to meet with God in a way that maybe you can't meet in any other way. It's in those difficult times where God shows himself even more than he already does. I think it's one of the greatest opportunities that we have to draw close to him. Think about this. Where did Moses first meet God? He knew about God, he believed in God. But where did he meet God face to face? It was in the wilderness. Right? That's where he met him, face to face. Where did Elijah have the experience of the earthquake and the fire and the still small voice? Remember that? Where did Elijah meet God? It was in the wilderness. In the wilderness, this is what the Gospel of Mark very specifically says, that's where Jesus went away to pray. That's where he went to meet with the Father. And then there's John the Baptist saying, Come into the wilderness and repent and be baptized. And here's what happens, and I think it's human nature, and it's kind of sad. I wish it wasn't true, but it is. But I've seen this in my ministry of almost 30 years now. You might believe in God. You might even pray to God. You're here today worshiping God, and He can certainly be there, and you can certainly feel His presence. But God really becomes that rock, that shelter, that thing that you cling to when you're going through the difficult times in life. He's that thing that you run to when you're in the wilderness. And that's great because to say that life is a wilderness, it it, it doesn't have to be this gloomy thing where you say, you know, life will never be all that satisfying and so disappointing. Understand that it's a very helpful thing because in the Bible, it's in the desert where the people are meeting God the most. There's a saying that I like that goes something like this, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but it goes something like this. I'd rather be in the storm with Jesus than to be in a calm by myself. Every time you're going through something that is difficult, would you just listen to that voice that is saying, make me your rock in the wilderness because here's the deal all other rocks are going to crumble whatever you try to cling to when you're going through that difficult time it's not going to last they're all going to crumble and this is why it's so important for us to come alongside those who are going through a difficult time we need to be with people who are going through it to make sure that they hear that rock calling to them because here's what's happened happening in a lot of lives a lot of people are going through difficult times and they're listening to whoever's closest to them and if the people who are closest to them are not the people of God they're going to gravitate toward that and all this time God is saying I'm the rock and I want you to come to me and this is a very very helpful thing because in the wilderness is where people met God and we need to be the hands and feet of God and make sure that they know that that rock right we need to make sure that they hear that rock calling to them, that person who has a dying loved one that they didn't expect. Man, i got to tell you, I, w- I wasn't planning to, to even say anything, but it went through our prayer chain. And I know a lot of you in here were praying. And, and, and the, the little Gossman boy, Joe Gossman, who's a student at our, our school in North Vernon. How old's Joe? He's, in the, he's six in the first grade. And uh, according to what Kendall heard through the police report in North Vernon, um, they found him on the bottom of the deep end of the swimming pool. He'd been down there about four and a half minutes. And word went out. And God's people started praying. And by the time he got on the helicopter to go to Indianapolis, he was awake. He was responding to people. He's going home today from the hospital. Now, you tell me that Josh and Lindsay have not been any more closer to God than they have been these last 72 hours. It's in those wilderness times that God is there, right? And that person who's going through, who's in financial ruin, that person who's trapped in addiction, that person who is dealing with depression, it's our job to come alongside these people and let them know that the rock is there so that they can know this rock in the wilderness of their life. And listen, I can stand up here and I can preach these things, and, and you may remember what I'm talking about today and you may not, but I'm hoping that when you're going through the difficult time. When you're going through that rough time, you remember that God is there. It seems as though it's only when all other lights go out that we see Him as the light sometimes. It seems as though when all the other wells dry up, that's when we see Him as living water. It seems to me that sometimes it's only when all other rocks crumble. Do we see the steady rock of Jesus Christ? Now, the third thing that I think we need to understand is this. You don't just get strength in the rock. You also get this. You get honey from the rock. There's the line. There it is. Verse 13. Oh, that my people would listen to me. And this is what God is saying. The the New Living Translation says, oh, that my people would listen to me. The NIV translates it this way. If my people would just listen to me. If they would just listen. God is saying, if you'll just listen to me people and this isn't this doesn't just apply to Israel this applies to us today I think God is up there oftentimes saying if you guys will just listen to me if you do what the word says it's amazing how different your life can be oh that my people would listen to me oh that Israel would follow me walking in my paths how quickly I would then subdue their enemies how soon my hands would be upon their foes Those who hate the Lord would cringe before Him. They would be doomed forever. But I would feed you with the finest wheat. I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. If my people would just listen, I'll satisfy them. Right? And there's more in that rock than you can imagine. That's what the Scripture is saying. There's more in there than you even think that there is. Right? Imagine. If you're out and you're in the desert and you see a rock... Would you go to it? I, I think we would because we would see the benefit of that rock in the desert. You might not think, well, the rock's not all that big of a deal. But if there's a rock in the desert, you can actually like hide behind the rock. It can provide shelter. It actually can provide shade depending on where the sun's at in the sky. But sometimes you can get behind it and it would provide some shade. In fact, you know, they say in the, in the desert, I don't really know for sure, but it's my understanding that overnight it gets really cool in the desert. Right, And so the rock holds the heat in better than the sand or anything else does. So at night, you get close to the rock. It even provides some heat for you through the night. And so you go to the rock to provide all of these things. But you go to the rock, you wouldn't expect honey from the rock, right? I think this is God's way of saying, out of the most unpromising, out of the most unexpected places, I can bring something good out of it. Out of the most difficult of circumstances, I can bring love. Out of the most difficult of circumstances where everything is falling apart, I can bring peace. I can bring sweetness. I can bring beauty out of a terrible situation. In other words, God is saying, if you come to me in times of trouble, not only will I give you the strength that you need, the protection that you need to get through this difficult time, but I can bring something sweet. I can bring something joyful. I can bring something good out of it. And if you're sitting out there and you're going, whoa, that sounds like Romans 8.28. We know that God works all things together for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. It does sound like that for sure, and it is linked to that, but know this, sometimes we misunderstand this promise, and we make the mistake, we misunderstand this promise that we we think that uh, every individual thing will have a good result, right? I think that some people feel like Every bad thing that happens to me, if I just look enough, if I just understand why this is happening, it's going to have a good result. It'd be like me saying, all right, listen, when I was younger, right, my goal as a young man was to be a professional golfer. Some of you are laughing at that. That's good. That's good. But here's the deal. You know, I, I I was playing golf as a young man, and I hurt my back, and that messed up my golf swing, so I concentrated on some other things instead, and and then that's when God called me to Bible college, and I married Stacy, and now I'm here, and that's all good, and that that's why, right? That's not true, but work with me on this, right? But, but. But but God is working all things together. That doesn't mean that every individual bad thing that happens is going to have a good result. But He can take those individual bad things and weave them together and bring something good about it. And we have to understand that we're not going to get everything that we think we need in this lifetime. There are going to be those difficult situations in life. And we cannot minimize the fact that this is not heaven yet. Life is not going to be perfect. People are going to disappoint you. People are going to get sick. Some people will die. Tim Keller said this about this subject. He said, we can never underestimate the wildernessness of life, right? There's a silver lining behind every cloud is what some people believe. We think that's in the Bible. There's a silver lining behind every cloud. Jesus never said that. That was Johnny Cash. <laughs> Mama sang, or Daddy sang bass. <laughs> Mama sang tenor. Mama sang bass. That's a whole nother song. Uh, might go over in this day and age. Um, did I say that? Uh, I didn't say that. All right, Forget what I just said or not. But anyway, here's what Tim Keller says. The reason why so many people have a hard time having a forgiving spirit towards someone is because they feel superior to them, okay? And so what God is saying is this, saying, listen, I might not be able, or or you're going to experience some difficult times in this life, right? Not Everything's not going to end the way that you want it to, right? But I can bring something sweet out of this situation, I can make something good happen out of it. You say, well, how in the world can that happen? How in the world can God you know, do that? How can he make it, it, it happen? You say, I'd love to be able to forgive that person. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I want you to understand that not all bad things that happen in this life are just a blessing in disguise. And we throw that around and, and still bad things happen and it's horrible right? You think about it. When Jesus' friend Lazarus dies, remember when Jesus gets to the tomb? He doesn't arrive with a big old smile on his face and say, well, you know what, guys? Just relax. This is going to be a blessing in disguise. Hold back. You know, your faith is going to be built up. I'm going to display my power. Everything's going to be good. Watch this. No. The Bible says he cried. He wept. He's grieving. Why? Because God hates The evil. He didn't create us to live in a world like this. Remember the Garden of Eden? He created it perfectly. The world wasn't supposed to be like this. The world he built for us didn't have death in it, it didn't have evil in it. It didn't have tragedy in it, it didn't have sin in it. And God hates all of those things. And to bring something good out of something evil, it doesn't mean that what happened isn't actually evil. It doesn't mean that God approved it. So what it's saying possibly is this. Out of the wilderness, God can make you something sweet. It might not even be the situation, but God can grow you into something sweet. He can change you into something sweet. He can make your life something that people will look at and go, I want to be around that. Back to this whole Tim Keller forgiveness thing. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to be that person that just has this sweetness of forgiveness in their life all of the time? Because I, I've seen people who have done it the other way where they live their lives and diff, difficult things happen and people wrong them and do things to them and they allow those things to, to let them become bitter and let them become sour and let them become hateful people. Wouldn't you love to be able to have that sweet, forgiving spirit and that's why Tim Keller said what he said about people having a forgiving spirit towards someone it's because they feel superior to them it's in the wilderness where we're humbled we're not feeling very superior when we're going through it are we It's in the wilderness that maybe you're even humiliated. It's in the wilderness where you find that you're nowhere near as courageous as you thought you were. You're nowhere near as spiritual as you thought you were. You're nowhere near as smart as you thought you were. The wilderness is a very revealing place. But out of that, out of that rockiness, out of that wilderness, you're able to forgive. Out of that rock, out of that horrible situation, there's honey. God will make it something sweet. He can make you sweet. And it's in the wilderness where we're oftentimes forced to pray. It's in the wilderness where we hit our knees and we meet with God. And oftentimes it's in a way that we've never met God before. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 8, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. It's in those difficult times where God comes alongside of you and he's close And He gives you the strength to keep going on. But God can use this to transform you into something that you never even thought you could be. He makes you someone who's courageous, someone who's joyful, someone who's forgiving. Someone like Jesus. It's almost like, goodness, if you don't have Jesus, you're not going to have that sweetness in your life. It's almost, it's almost a Bible, isn't it? <laughs> Go figure. Now, all of these people who allow themselves to become bitter and sour when the tragedies happen, and then you see these people who don't, how they let these, these tragedies actually transform them, the difference is someone who recognizes that God sent his son Jesus to pass the test in the wilderness, and that's our final point for today. This all hinges on verse 13 very quickly. God is basically saying, if my people will listen to me, if my people will just do what I'm saying, if my people will just walk in my path, if you follow what God is asking you to do, that's when you experience honey from the rock. It's only in the rock that you get the honey. It's only in Jesus that you get the sweetest things of life and Jesus became that rock. All of the things that the Israelites did in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Jesus or all the, all of the the things that the Israelites did not do in their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Jesus did do in his 40 days in the wilderness. He passed the test that we failed you say, okay, thanks, but that doesn't make me feel any better. In fact, that makes me feel a little bit worse because I'll never live up to what Jesus did. He's Jesus. I'm not. I can't pass that test. That's a ridiculous standard. What hope is there for me? Well, the hope is this. Jesus didn't just pass the test as your example." Because if he was just the example and we're looking at that and we think that's what we got to become, we'll never get there. He passed the test as your substitute. He says, I know you'll never get there. That's why I came. That's why I came to lay down my life on the cross. Because when I did that, See, my Father, He placed all of the sins of the world on me. But then, He took the righteousness that was in me and placed it on you. And now my Father sees all of you like He sees me. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? (laughs) Pretty sweet deal to think that we get credit for what Jesus did on the cross. And we ask the worship team to come. And I'm going to close with this. Again, back to this passage. Verse 13: If my people would just listen to me, walk in my path. Well, Jesus is that path. The Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He is the rock, and there's sweetness. There's no better place on earth than the road that leads to heaven. And that's that's what Jesus provides for you today. The Bible says and I love this analogy because we're talking about the honey from the rock. But the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you've not tasted Him, if you've not experienced Him, we encourage you to consider that. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to go to the Lord, and, and we're going to offer a song of decision. And if you're here today, and, and you need to make a decision, maybe to follow Christ today, maybe to surrender your life, to repent of your sins, to be baptized into Him, now's the time to consider that. Maybe you're here today, and you're just struggling with some things. You've been through an extended period of wilderness, and you need prayer. We're here to pray with you. Maybe you just want just to commit to God. Say, God, I'm going to do a better job from this moment. I'm going to do a better job of doing what your word says. Oh, if my people would just listen. Let's pray together.